welcome to another episode of the Baylor Law Criminal Law Society podcast. I'm your host, Chris Spendlove, back after what feels like a very long hiatus. Uh, and we're back in the studio, which is fun. I don't think we've been in here since the episode with Professor Counselor. So uh, today I'm joined by three of my favorite colleagues in the law school. Uh, we all just went through the fires of PC together. And came out the other side relatively unscathed, I think so. I'd say so. Yeah, okay. So we've got Holly Shockey. Hi, Holly. Hello. Uh, Mr. Riley Waters, how are you? Good. How are we doing, public? I think they're doing well. (laughs) And our first repeat guest, and deservedly so, Mr. Michael Morin. How are you, Mike? Good. How's it going? Good. Doing well. Doing well. It's good to have you all here. Um, we today want to talk about a few things. Uh, first and foremost, the Vordire Boot Camp, which was a new addition to the PC curriculum for us uh, as of the spring and summer 2022 PC crowd. But we also want to uh, discuss and thereby dispel some of the myths, I think, about uh, the criminal law curriculum in PC We've had a few guests on, well, we had a few guests on prior to my time in PC who kind of told us a little bit about it, but since we all just went through that, I think we're pretty well qualified to talk about that, so good stuff. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the uh, the Vordire Boot Camp. Um, how did y'all, uh, how, I can't remember, how did we first hear about that, hear about that, that possibility? It was during orientation. Uh, Professor Alpert came in and talked to us and told us that it would be an option for us offered um, in exchange for some PDP hours as well as um, a little bit of limited involvement in the classroom for dire exercises. Right. Okay. That's right. And also a day of immunity, right? Absolutely. Which was which Ooh, was I enticing. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That was a good part. Yeah. The yeah. Monday following, yeah, which I think may have enticed some folks who otherwise would not have been interested in doing a criminal law uh, weekend, right? Absolutely, <laughs> to, yeah. <laughs> I might have been one of those people. Probably might have been one of those people. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, as you'll find out, uh, those of you here at Baylor Law, immunity days in PC are worth their weight in gold. Cherished. Yeah, yes. cherished. Very well cherished. Um, right, okay, so... Um, Good. Professor Alpert talked to us about that. And so that was in February, right? Correct. And it wasn't until May that we did the boot camp? The, I believe the, so. the next quarter mm-hmm. is the idea, right? It was during PC3. Yeah. yeah. So we I had, got that part. Yeah. I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, time has very little meaning in law school, especially not in PC. So, okay. Um, right. Because we had just finished talking about, or we were like kind of in the midst of our Vordire discussion with Professor Fraley, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how how did those discussions prepare y'all for that weekend, or like that, that class content? I think if I remember correctly, was Fraley's lecture about it not after our boot camp? Uh, no, I think hers was before. Was it before? Okay. Yeah. Hers okay. focused a lot on picking particular jurors. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember she went over a, like, how to work your... Um, list of jurors while you're ah, that's right. actually mm-hmm. doing Vordire. Um, yeah. yeah. Her, her emphasis is more on civil, and so it does 
prepare you for how that procedure looks, um, but I do think that uh, civil war dire and criminal war dire have some large differences. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit because we had talked about you know bats and challenges, which is like uh, if the other side, it seems like the other side is discriminatorily, wow, that's a crazy adjective, discriminatorily <laughs> picking their jurors or leaving, you know, protected parts of the population off, that kind of thing. Um, and that that did have a corollary. We, we ended up talking about Batson. But what were some of those differences, uh, Mike, that between what we talked about and what we ended up doing, that at least that you remember? Well, I, I think you're looking at... Um you deal with different burdens um, in civil and criminal, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt. And um, hopefully, counselors not listening to my explanation of this. <laughs> uh, and preponderance of the evidence in uh, civil. And um, that's one of the major. And then uh, one thing that I've noticed with criminal board dire is talking about range of punishment issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's just kind of different questions that you may have to ask the jury um, while not um, improperly committing them. Um, so those are those are some of the small differences. Yeah, right. And, I mean, things like people's rights, you know, being on the line or even having to address stuff like Fifth Amendment, right? Like, <laughs> this person is innocent until we, the state, prove them guilty. So who here thinks, you know, just because this person's sitting here at the council table, they must have done something, right? And that's very reasonable whereas in a civil case yeah there may have been some kind of issue but nobody's like guilty of anything so yeah that's cool uh, and you, can you guys think of anything else between what we talked about or well, at least what was highlighted you know maybe during the boot camp I don't necessarily know if it's a difference between civil and, and criminal vordire but one thing that you know everybody stresses it's basically a precursor to your opening statement so mm-hmm. you know in criminal one unique aspect of it is sentencing the sentencing phase, so you have to address that in your voir dire as well. You know, whereas civil, you don't necessarily have that, so you're more worried about people being prejudiced, I guess, towards your client and towards like different issues and, and things like that. Whereas criminal, you know, you can you can get people struck for punishment as well as you know prejudices against your client. Yeah. So I think that's one unique thing about criminal is you have a sentencing side to it as well. Yeah, right. Like if, if a person couldn't consider the full range of punishment, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like if the death penalty's on the table or, you know, in a case like that, I could never give less than 25 years or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, have yeah. to cover that. That's cool. That's cool. Um, okay, so the, the actual structure of the boot camp, the first day we had a, a few lectures, right? Um, do y'all remember? It's been a little while since we did that, but do y'all kind of remember how, how that went down? Ryan gave us like kind of an opening, just kind of lay of the land. Um, anything well, you can and I remember? Think yeah, go ahead. For those who are listening who haven't been to a boot camp at all, uh, how they generally work is that there's the expert who's in charge of the boot camp. So in this case, for Vordire Boot Camp, it was Ryan Calvert who's um, an ADA, is that Mm -hmm. correct? He's an ADA in Bryan College Station area. Um, And then they also bring in several other experts who are practicing in this area and have experience with it. Uh, So, for example, Beth Tobin was there. Uh, We had several judges, which Mm -hmm. was pretty cool in this one, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, So that's part of the structure. Uh, In this go-around, Ryan did most of the lecturing uh, especially on Friday, and I 
think on Saturday as well. It's been mm-hmm. a while. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that, um, you know, Mike, Holly, and I did the, like, the criminal law boot camp back in October. And I, I think a lot of what he said, in fact, most of it might have been the same Vordire talk that he gave in that criminal law boot camp. Riley then did that, that criminal law boot camp the same quarter? Yeah, it was probably two weeks later, three weeks later. Okay, cool. And Vordire was not a part of no, that. No, Vordire wasn't mentioned. They, I mean, they mentioned Vordire, but they said that if you wanted to, you know, learn the criminal route of Vordire to take the criminal Vordire daring practice court. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, they didn't really emphasize Vordires, whereas, you know, they were talking in our breakout sessions and everything about how last time they did and with y'all they did. So yeah. it was just kind of an interesting adjustment to... Um, you know, having two separate camps, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Which is definitely, I mean, I think on the whole, a good thing. It was <laughs> crash course, I think, is putting it nicely <laughs> uh, in terms mm-hmm. of how that Vordire went in October, uh, having a whole weekend to really focus on it. We still just did one exercise toward the end. We can talk about that in a moment. But um, I think being able to really focus specific on that, since it is so important you know, is, is beneficial. And I think the fact that it is saved for an activity to do during PC3, um, I was a lot more prepared to understand what was going on. Yeah, right. Whereas at Criminal Boot Camp, when we did it the first day, I had zero exposure to Vordire ahead of that. Like, had never seen one, had never... I mean, I kind of knew that they existed in the basic, oh, that's where you pick a jury. But yeah. any sort of thought process behind how you do it or your goal that you're really trying to cut people from the jury uh none of that registered when i walked into the criminal boot camp when it was part of that yeah right and i think you're bringing up something we had talked about which was how beneficial it would be if we were able to observe a vordire prior to either the boot camp or pc um, whether via a, a recording of a vordire or, um, you know, if we're fortunate enough to be able to go see one in person in an internship or something like that. Yeah, you bet. And that was, I think, a few of y'all or maybe some other folks I was talking with after the boot camp uh, had mentioned that too. And I, I passed that along to Ryan. So, you know, it was the first time that they had done that. And I, I think that they're, they're definitely looking for good feedback. Well, I will say one thing that was very helpful in, in the boot camp and with Ryan is that his lecture style is sort of like a Vordire in itself. Like yeah. the way he lectures, like he'll just go through his slides and he'll ask questions and, you know, he'll uh, bounce it around and get everybody talking and, and participating. And it's kind of an example in and of itself. Whereas, you know, you don't get that exposure when you're sitting in PC at 7.45 a.m., you know, like yeah. you're getting the law and, and, and the basics of it, but um, kind of seeing Ryan talk and, and see how he looped and seeing on his slides everything, you know, that he was tying it to, how he would just put up a simple picture, you know, and be able to expand upon that and get the whole room talking. It was just kind of a great example, whereas, you know, you might miss out on that if you don't do it. Yeah. And, and I think that the terror factor was a lot, oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot lower, <laughs> right? I mean, I think at one point Ryan was like, man, are you guys okay? Like, blink, <laughs> blink twice if you're not okay. <laughs> kind of and so we, we all blink we had twice. To, we had to, like, kind of come down off of that and, like, be, be chill for the weekend. But, Move uh, off the edge of our seat. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it helped the information absorption mm-hmm. a little bit. So this is the warning that Ryan is going to call on you in the boot camp. But it's his way of showing 
how Vordire works and how sometimes you have to call out Vanire members that are being quiet and then loop to the person next to him and say, well, how do you feel about what they just said? And it was kind of interesting when he revealed that he was looping the whole time mm-hmm. and it was like a revelation when he was like, uh, that is how you loop. I've been doing it all along. Yeah. Well, and looping was something that we got in the Vordire boot camp that did not happen in class. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. was dreadfully obvious. I had to be the judge for the class exercise and the whole time I was like, they're not looping. They're not <laughs> looping. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it makes it the flow of the, the Vordire so much easier if the person knows how to loop. Yeah, it just makes it more conversational. And, you know, basically, for those of you who don't know what looping is, looping is just connecting one conversation you're having with someone to another person, basically by, you know, asking basic questions like, you know, juror number two, how do you feel about this? And then bouncing it around, like, anybody else have different thoughts, you know? Yeah. And so I think that was one thing that was uh, extremely, you know, helpful is seeing Calvert do that and seeing him, um, I don't know, facilitate conversation and make it's just so much more conversational that way. Yeah. And I, I think that that's a really good point. Something that they emphasized in the boot camp that, again, was painfully missing <laughs> for when I sat as a juror. And, you know, no fault of the students or, or whatever you want to say. They just hadn't had that, that uh, training but, you know, we, we talk about frequently here on the podcast, and they emphasize it again in the boot camp, just be a normal person, mm-hmm. right? Like, have a regular conversation with somebody. And I think without that almost invitation or, like, permission to just, like, let's just talk. Let's just have a conversation. You know, Vordire can seem, like, very scary or very formal, which then makes it kind of stilted right yeah. between the the attorney and the veneer members so yeah it's i don't know I, it's it's such a big deal right mm-hmm. i think i think that part got emphasized in class this is such a big deal yeah you're gonna win or lose your case in Vordire, but then the so let's be normal people <laughs> about this you know right. that was that was kind of a, a different uh anyway difficult to get a well, gap to bridge. Building on that normal people idea um, or normal person idea, uh, Rob Ammons, it, who is a Jaworski fellow in our Civil War Dyer, mentioned how Vordire is kind of like a first date. You don't want to just be talking at them and lecturing the whole time. You want to have a lot of back and forth and hear more from them than from yourself. And I thought that was a really great analogy. Yeah. Yeah, and I think one thing that I was in there with you as well, Mike, and I think one thing that was <clears throat> really important that Rob taught us too is that every time like you get a Venire member to speak to you or, or they give you an answer, even if it's one that you want to hear and you can strike them for it, it's a thank you. You know, it's a thank you for being involved and it kind of just facilitates the rest of the Venire members. And so, I mean, I just think, you know, between what Ryan taught us with the looping and getting everyone involved and also, you know, showing that sympathetic side to them, like, hey, you opened up to me. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. There were two Michael Morns in that <laughs> jury exercise. You want to tell that story? I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, for the PC3 for dire exercise, you get to make up a persona and provide a juror card and, you know, fill out information that's on the juror card basically like name employment age number of children and it was while we were lining up to go in there 
as the Vernier members that I discovered that Riley had made himself me, Michael Moran, <laughs> and proceeded to answer every question after he raised his hand and says, yes, this is Michael Moran, in my opinion is this. And then, um, of course, counsel is a fellow classmate, so every time Riley would raise his hand, he'd be like, yes, Michael Moran, and the whole Vernier panel would start chuckling. Um, oh Riley goodness. couldn't see it, but my face was probably red the whole time, and it just, I think I kicked his chair once or twice, but it, it was a good little joke. It, he did slip up because he said my job was owner of the Houston Dynamo, mm-hmm. but then I, why would I be living in McLennan County? Oh. Yeah. I would like to right. point out that Michael Morin got struck twice. We <laughs> <laughs> were the only two to get struck. I really, really, yeah. uh, really didn't want him on that chair. <laughs> Both Michael Morin. I, the, the real Michael Moran, got struck um, by plaintiff's counsel and then, or by, well, by Rob Ammons. And then later, Will, as defense counsel, struck Riley playing Michael Moran. I see. Uh, no Michael Morans on the jury. Yeah. Uh, can, can get it, it's, it's, it's difficult because you want to have a little bit of fun. It's like the one thing that they give you, like, okay, make up a name, do whatever. I went in as Herman Munster, uh, and any every time they said, "Okay, Mr. Munster," I was like, "I couldn't, I couldn't keep it together." You know what I mean? Thirteen, thirteen, Mike. It's mm-hmm. like you just can't do it. So. That's the fake address I use on everything. <laughs> thirteen, like, thirteen, Mockingbird. Yeah, if I have to provide a fake address, it's thirteen, thirteen, Mockingbird Lane. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's very difficult. My next, I had to do it twice. My second one for reasons that we'll leave off the podcast, but. Uh, um, the second time, I was like, okay, I'm going to still have a fake persona. And I did all Pearl Jam references. Because okay. we just talked about that. And no, that's not true. Anyway, I did Pearl Jam references. And I still couldn't keep it together. So just keep it to, you know, Mike Smith or whatever. And, or and, Mike uh, Morin. Or Mike Morin. Yeah. You know, have fun, but realize that the uh, students that are performing their board dire exercises are there for a grade. So I think we kept it professional enough mm-hmm. uh, where we didn't affect their grade yeah um, so it was a good balance and we gave him good ammo to strike us right I so. mean Riley and I were two of the most talkative panel members there that is the problem right um, you know cycling some more back towards um, Vordire is getting people to talk yeah and we so we were trying to help out our classmates by being a little bit more talkative um, and answering their questions and but you know how do you deal with Vordire members that don't answer even when you directly ask them a question. Yeah. And I think one thing too is, you know, in the PC exercise, you have your fellow classmates sitting in as your juror members, whereas in our criminal law, uh, the not the criminal law boot camp, but the uh, Vordire exercises that we had with the boot camp, the jury members that they brought in, the Venire members that they brought in, were actually people from the community of Waco. I think it was the Women's Republican Club and the Rotary, was, I think. Yeah, yeah, the Rotary. And so we had different members of the community there that, you know, you get insight from all ages from, I think in my room there was someone who was 22 and mm-hmm. then to like 68 or 67 or something yeah. like that. And so, I mean, you get a whole broad spectrum of people and it's more, I mean, I've done one, so I can't really say too much, but it seemed more realistic that yeah. we had a broad spectrum of people in there rather than just your fellow PC students. Yeah. It was helpful to have that experience where 
there's some people who really wanted to talk and you had to figure out how to get them to shut up. Mm-hmm. And yes. then there's other people who weren't talking at all and you had to figure out how to get them to talk and drag it out of them. And another part of that experience that was really nice was we were able to get feedback on how these people perceived us, whereas your classmates might not have the same feedback that the yeah. public would. Uh, Riley got some really I good that, feedback. that feedback the hard way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell us about the feedback, Riley. Um, so the whole, <laughs> the whole Vordire exercise goes down, and, and they ask the, you know, the, the panel members, the Venire panel, to, to give us some feedback. And so... They go, hey, how do you guys think they did? And you go, oh, no, he did great, he did great. And then they get to me, and the only person that says anything is like, hey, you did a great job, and, you know, I thought the conversation went well, I understood everything you were saying, you know, the, the sentencing and all of that. You did a great job, but uh, one knock I have is I couldn't get past your haircut. <laughs> and so I have a bit of an afro, and it was kind of puffy that day because I was stressed and on one hour of sleep. And um, she, go- she goes, I think you need a haircut. And she goes, also, I think you need to shave your beard. And so it's like it's kind of funny. We we talk to the judge afterwards and everything. She's like, man, people really care about like the dumbest things. They get stuck on that. And so that's one lesson that I kind of learned quickly was always be on your game. And you know, even though you're in PC and you haven't slept in two and a half weeks, you know, it's <laughs> it's uh it's the small things that kind of win you and lose you cases. And you know, just having a haircut and shaving my beard might have built a little more. I don't know relationship, I guess, with that with that lady that day. So it's just interesting the different mindsets. But. Yeah, well, I think that goes. I mean, that's another aspect of that being a normal person, right? Not that you're not a normal person, Riley. Mm-hmm. And you know, I thought the haircut and beard was fine, <laughs> but normal people, you know, struggle with stuff like that. I'm, I think in that same over the same weekend, we were talking with uh, Mrs. Tobin about that, and she was like, "Yeah, one time." You know, after after the case was over, we were talking with the jurors, and they're like, yeah, "I just couldn't get over the fact that your co-counsel hadn't shined his shoes, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that." Like, they're about like the such beat up, yeah, yeah, shoes. So yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, I thought the feedback was was really helpful in that way too. I I think probably one of the other reasons why I enjoyed the feedback so much was there was some nice feedback, some good feedback, which is rare uh in while you're in pc right and that's you know it's, it's for a reason they want you to mm-hmm. be better but it was it was nice to have judges in there who were like hey that was really good or like good job for our first attempt yeah <laughs> which uh which <clears throat> i really appreciate but also knowing that these are people who who were doing this week in and week out you know and they really have have a lot of experience with that um something else i thought was cool we were talking about you know, judges being there uh, a moment ago. We got to hear from Judge Susan Peel and Judge Rocky Jones, both of whom we want to have on the podcast. That's on my to-do now that I've got some time uh, to get them on. But uh, do y'all remember what they talked about, like kind of common mistakes that they see in their courtrooms during Vordire? Does that ring a bell? I had Rocky as a judge, um, <clears throat> okay. and that yeah. was kind of the, the thing that she stressed the most was, hey, there's like going to be people that are in your veneer that basically ask you for legal advice while you're sitting there like oh, while wow. you're giving your voir dire so like in our situation i can't remember who was going it was either um that doesn't matter but sure. whoever was given the uh, voir dire at the moment was talking with this lady and she started getting into like you know the marijuana laws and like hey i have a friend you know like asking for a friend can i get this legal <laughs> advice you know and it's kind of like rocky emphasized at the end of it that it's like you kind of just got to 
shut that off or answer them and move on. And it's like, you know, they're not even talking anything about your case. I think it was a DUI and she was talking about marijuana and all of this. And so I think that was one insightful thing that she provided was people are just going to talk about outrageous things and you just got to kind of go with it and use it to your advantage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One of the really good things that Judge Peel pointed out that I think is really something I struggled with when we were practicing before we did our actual uh, exercise during the boot camp was it's really uncomfortable to make the veneer the panel talk about uncomfortable subjects so like if they had some sort of experience in their personal life that you need to find out about because it relates to this case and they might not be able to be unbiased it's hard to ask them that question but Ryan Calvert said they're on the panel ask them Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really what I saw myself wanting to do and I saw a couple other people do in the PC exercise was say, if you're uncomfortable, that's okay. We can pull you up here with the judge later. But Susan Cal, not sorry, not Susan Calvert, Susan Peel, <laughs> um, she gave us feedback during the exercise that the judge isn't necessarily going to let you pull that person up there. Like you need to ask them the question and if the judge decides that more questioning is needed, that's when the judge will let you pull them up there. Like, yeah. just because you ask for it doesn't mean the judge is going to say yes. Right. And I think that that connects with something else that I really took away from from their speech to us, uh, Judge Peel and Judge Rocky Jones, was that, you know, this is your courtroom, right? Like, own the courtroom from the minute you step in. And that was something I think all of you now have been out to Limestone County, I have not. Not right. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but something that our good friend Jeff Janes, shout out, uh, always says is the minute you're in that courtroom, you're the leader, especially during Vore Dyer, right? You want to be the one who's in there and has set up all the tech. You know you know where you're supposed to stand and everything else. And it was cool to hear the, these two judges kind of echo that. And I think what you're talking about you know, folds into that as well. It's like you're the leader. Don't be afraid to talk about what you need to talk about. You know, Don't be afraid to get people to talk to you who just won't, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that kind of confidence boost was really helpful again, especially in the middle of PC when confidence is hard to come by sometimes. Um, But I I saw, you know, some of our other classmates who, you know, maybe a little bit on the shyer side or, you know, not quite as talkative. I saw them kind of, kind of step into that as well, which, which was cool and important. If I may, I think what Polly's talking about is, learning to become comfortable with the uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. and so we're going to have to ask those questions. That's going to be our job as future Baylor lawyers is to ask those uncomfortable questions. And this four-dire boot camp really gives you the opportunity, and the criminal law boot camp does too, to practice things that you're not comfortable with and, and get that first shot and, and maybe try something that you wouldn't try um, in PC Mm-hmm. Um, for fear of uh, you know little commentary, and um, <laughs> that was that, was that <laughs> little like minor commentary or uh, Robert Little's commentary. <laughs> no further comment. <laughs> but um, so yeah, you can try things like put uh, a leopard without its spots on the slideshow, um, or you know use water in your presentation. Um, Go for it, try it, get some feedback from Ryan Calvert, who wrote the book on Vordire. If it fails, it it does. I mean, but yeah. you're failing when there's nothing at risk. 
Um, no one's going to jail or losing any money, so try it in Vordire um, boot camp and go for it. I was going to say, yeah, b- before yeah. we move on, building off of what Mike's saying and, like, you know, being willing to, you know, take a risk. And, and one thing that that uh, Rocky Jones, the, the judge there in Dallas, uh, that she talked about was being able to not only talk about hard subjects but use those subjects to your advantage. So, you know, whether it be, you know, somebody's had experience with, you know, drug abuse in their life in the past – and, you know, like you might be able to get them struck off of your juror, but you can also use that juror in that time to explain things to other jurors about drug addiction, about drug abuse and and different things like that. And so I think that's one thing, too, that that, you know, you had to give advice about what Rocky was saying. And that's one thing that she kind of taught me in the moment was being able to use these uh, the answers that are given to you as ammo for not only getting them struck but also facilitating the conversation with the rest of the jurors because they're going to they're going to want to hear a lot more from other jurors than they are from you whereas i can get up there and preach to them and speak to them and talk down on them but if i facilitate it to where they're explaining to one another then you know you hear the true opinion come out so i think that was one important thing that we learned too yeah no i I think that's a really good point we were just talking about how it's more important that they're the ones doing most of the talking, right, as opposed mm-hmm. to me just saying, okay, here's what you need to know and kind of blasting, because you don't learn anything about who's going to be a good or bad, especially, and more importantly, a bad juror on your case. And I think what you were talking about also um, goes directly to, you know, at, right at the beginning, Ryan gave us these five questions that we have to ask ourselves, right? I wrote them down because I want to make sure I got them right, but the first, and I think he mentioned this when he came on the podcast as well, but first is how can I lose this particular case you know, where am I weak in this specific case? What are bad jurors for me in this case going to struggle with? Why are they going to struggle with those issues? What do I want to argue in closing arguments? And how can I get jurors to say those things to me in more dire? And everything we've just been talking about, you know, is, is right there. Like, how do we get jurors to say the important things, not only to me, but to one another, mm-hmm. right? And to educate or, you know, not being afraid to bring up the difficult subjects that are critical to your case. And if you're like, man, that's going to be uncomfortable for people to talk about. But my whole case kind of hinges on this. It's like, well, you got to be brave and you, you got to get in there. So, yeah, I think it was just holistically a really, a really great experience. Um, getting a lot of the same, like same kinds of advice, but like different ways of applying mm-hmm. it, you know, uh, in the different and getting to do it in like a safe environment. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, speaking of the environment, the environment of the Vordire exercise is you, a couple classmates, I think we had three to a room, Mm -hmm. um, then two faculty, and then the jury, and you get to watch each other do your Vordires and um, build off of that, and I thought that was helpful, not only to do your own, but to watch um, two other classmates uh, attempt their Vordire examinations. Yeah, and get to hear the judges' feedback. You know, when I say judge, I mean prosec- practicing prosecutors, practicing judges, you know, uh, really helpful. And that was another thing I really liked uh, prior to our, our practice for dire exercise. We had, what, two or three breakout sessions? Yeah. And again, like maybe even smaller groups of that, maybe like three or four people to a room with a couple of, of the faculty members there. Um, were there any nuggets y'all pulled out that you can remember from those? Well, it's like prep sessions. 
at least for our room, Beth Tobin stressed on the fact that we need to figure out what our issue is. Mm -hmm. You know, like with mine, it was like prior, you know, instances of drug abuse and, and of, you know, controlled substance abuse and things like that. And it's just kind of finding like you might have all these facts surrounding like a DUI and, and all of these different things that happen. Um, but there's some little minor thing in there that you can really draw out people that have strong opinions about it and that don't. And so that was kind of what Beth Tobin, you know, stressed was find the real issue in your case. And once you find that, then spend your whole time talking there because you don't have very long to talk. Yeah. Know? Yeah, that's good. I think I was in the room with Ryan Calvert and Judge Peel. And I think um, aside from emphasizing, you know, how can I lose this case? Right. Like, what's the real issue? They were. They spent a lot of time talking to us about like not having a cookie cutter vor dire. You know, mm-hmm. we don't just do this in vor dire. We don't just ask about this in vor dire because that's what we always ask about. It's like every minute is precious, and so you have to have a purpose. You know, for all the things that you're talking about. Well, I think that plays into a big part of making sure that it's tailored to this case, because they told us some horror stories about people who just have a cookie cutter and that's what they do every time and it's exactly the same. Well, you know what? Your opposing counsel, once they've gone up against you a couple times, they know you're bored ire. They mm-hmm. can go do it and steal it from you and then you get up and you have nothing new to say. Mm-hmm. And that's your first impression with the jury? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was I think that was from the judges, right? Judge Peel and, and Judge yeah. Jones telling us what they see all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff. Well, one of the things that Ryan provided us in those breakout sessions was like worksheets to work through different cases and I think it was tremendously helpful to work through those with my classmates and I had um, Kenda Culpepper DA from Rockwall County and then Akua Asbill sorry Akua um, you got it right yeah. <laughs> Akua Asbill yeah and um, it was great to kind of work through them with different cases and go through those kind of five questions that Ryan Calvert has and then they can talk about some of their war stories and the real world application and sort of get that experience from them in kind of a, I think it was a two on three, so two faculty and three students in my room was really helpful. And then having the other students, they provide their own perspectives on different cases and questions that they might ask to get to that goal of, you know, um, deselecting jurors um, and how to uh, attack different cases. Yeah, I, I really found that helpful as well. Not just having, like small group Q&A sessions, but having that be kind of guided by these mm-hmm. practice scenarios, you know, um, I, I thought that was really helpful too. It's cool. The one more thing I want to say on the subject is that yeah. I think that most of the listeners to this podcast are probably criminal, like the criminal-minded people, <clears throat> um, but the boot camp was still beneficial for the people in our, our group that were not criminal-minded. Uh, we had a couple that are doing transactional work, uh, a couple that are planning on doing civil litigation. And I think for those that are planning on civil, it's still very helpful because it's getting you in the room and helping you really think through the process. And I think for those that are doing transactional, it was just a nice change of pace from PC in the middle of a really hard time of it. Yeah. I think they stress the importance throughout the... uh, you know, the boot camp, that repetitions are really what make you better. And so, I mean, doing this and getting to see two other people do it while Ryan Calvert's doing it in all of his lectures and while you're learning from Beth Tobin and from Rocky Jones and from different judges and attorneys around the state of Texas, I mean, 
it's a lot of repetition in one weekend, whereas in the PC exercise, you get one chance and you get 12 minutes and I don't know about y'all, but you black out and you come out of it and you kind of forget yeah. what happened. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, did, did I remember to clutch my strikes? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to lose the five the points? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, one of our fellow classmates literally clutched his strikes to his chest. <laughs> and it was hard not to... Um, Laugh, but he followed instructions. Yeah, yeah, he did yes. not lose those five points. No, he did not. <laughs> oh man, that's good. Well, uh, any you know feedback for for Ryan or for those you know who end up putting this this on in the future? Anything y'all would have liked to have seen or or having gone through it that you would suggest uh, go differently? I, I have one thing that you know I noticed um, was a little different was that we didn't have a second chair. So we didn't have anybody there writing names down or, you know, the answers to our questions. So I'd be like, you know, juror number one, can I have your name? And I'd get juror number one's name and it's like, we don't have enough time to write them down and to write down what they're saying and everything. Yeah. We're trying to facilitate a conversation, which I'm sure I'll be able to do that eventually. But on my first one, I can't. And so I thought that was one thing. In the PC exercise, they do have a second chair. They have right. somebody there helping them with strikes and, you know, helping them with the, the magic language, you know. And... So um, I, I think that would be one helpful thing. Yeah, especially because I think a lot of us, you know, going into it, uh, we're going to be that second chair. We're probably not going to yeah. be standing up and doing the Vordire, you know, right at first. So having that kind of, you know, uh, it just makes me think of Goose and Top Gun, right? Kind of your tail gunner, you know, uh, getting some practice doing that, I, I think, is important. Radio operator, but okay. I don't know anything about fighter planes, so... <laughs> what else do you have to say, Marty? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think what would be helpful... I'm so he takes sorry. the pull over. Yeah. I don't know what else you want to say. Mike is our resident person to call you out on stuff. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, no. <laughs> Apologies to the listeners. Um, anyway... I think what would be helpful is maybe if you have someone work the defense and the prosecution so you can see both sides Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, go through more of the process of trying to actually use your challenges and um, challenge somebody for cause and see how the strikes play out and see what the jury might have shaped out to be. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard because we had a limited number of jurors. You know, we're not going to have the 45-juror veneer panel like what we see kind of in the real world or, you know, 40s, 50s, whatever number is coming in. But it would be kind of nice to go through the motions a little bit more um, with that and to see how that shapes out. Um, And, you know, in my room, and I think every room, everyone had a different case. And so it it might be helpful to see, like, well, I did this, and now he's going to get up and be like, talk about something completely different, or he's going to build off of what I'm talking about or like Holly mentioned before, the risk of them stealing what you were planning to do, and now I've got to um, adjust on my feet because I think that's one of the biggest things we have to deal with is learning on our feet to adjust or how to adjust. Yeah, I think that's cool, and I, I think that that was one thing that the civil PC exercises uh, did well. Hopefully, the people who did them, you know, got something out of that process, but because that was, you know, there was a plaintiff side and defense side on those mm-hmm. cases right and they were kind yeah. of you know opposed uh to one another and having to do those strikes for cause so yeah 
think that'd be cool too. I I know one thing that that we mentioned. I think Ryan already knows about this because I I mentioned it to him right after Vordar was, you know, for somebody like me who has no, and and y'all might feel the same way. I don't know, but I don't want to speak for you. Somebody like me who has no experience in the law field at all coming into law school or has never seen a trial because when I started law school, COVID hit and I couldn't go sit in on anything. Yeah. Um, It would have been really helpful after we did our Vordar. I think afterwards, if, you know, the, the judge and, and Beth Tobin was in my room, if they both got up and, and conducted their own Vordire and I could learn from my mistakes there in that moment, you know, oh, like they could yeah. illustrate some yeah, of those really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, that's kind of the thing that I was lacking throughout PC was, yeah, I would give an opening statement. I'd give a direct examination. I'd give a cross examination and, you know, I would do a Vordire, but I would have no, like, hey, this is what we should be doing type of thing. You yeah. know what I mean? And I know everybody has their own style, but it would have been really helpful just to have somebody who's been practicing for 20, 30 years give a, you know, right on the spot Vordire. And I'm like, wow, okay, that's how you do it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Cool. You never have Ren for mini trial or you just not mess up a cross-examination <laughs> in front of Ren? <laughs> no, I didn't. We, we have Ren. So Ren, Ren's the one exception. He did jump in and do that. But yeah. uh, we yeah. had Alpert for two of ours, and Alpert just kind of let us go, which is I'm fine with, you know. But. Right. I was just, you brought uh, flashbacks of Ren being like, well, this is how I would do it. Mm-hmm. And he just very nonchalantly r- yes. rattles off 20 mm-hmm. cross-examination, cross-examination questions and then kind of turns to you and you ask him, like, um, shall we move on or would you like me to do it? He's like, no, you yeah, do it. Uh-huh. You do it just like that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I know all too well about Ren. I, I, I had to, I had to object to him in our mini trial. So. <laughs> Which was sustained by the way. My proudest PC moment. <laughs> we were sitting there and he was like, he's just doing the thing that he just told us to not let happen. Yeah. And I, I was, was like, like, do it. <laughs> Turn your keys. I got, I got sustained and I sat down and I was like, oh, uh, am I in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to know. That's good. Um, cool. Well, verdict, y'all. Vordire boot camp. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely do it. Tell your but, friends to do it. Tell your mom to do it. You bef- know, everybody. Before you know, we end on this, I think the real pearls of the Vordire boot camp that you're not expecting to pick up are the in-between moments. Mm-hmm. Um there was a moment when Beth Tobin mentioned, like, well, we can always tell who are the more civilly inclined lawyers that are just popping over to do a quick criminal case because they yell at us and we just kind of roll our eyes and, like, oh, this guy will be gone in a little while and we don't have to deal with that. Or the, you know, the great moments of, like, eating lunch with uh, Judge Jones mm-hmm. and, you know, hearing her stories and um, listening to her laugh. She has a great laugh. and um, But she gets to share her story, you know, her journey through law over lunch. And you can ask her questions about Vordire or just life. So I think that's also a great aspect that gets overlooked um, mm-hmm. when we talk about the boot camp um, is all the in-between moments that you have with lunch or just kind of casually talking about law to any of the people that are spending their time with you. Yeah. And like Chris kind of mentioned earlier, the encouragement. Yes. Like, for those of you who haven't had PC or who are in it, bless you. My prayers are with you. Yeah. Um, but by the time Vordire Boot Camp rolls around, you are exhausted and you are beat. And... I don't know about everybody else in this room, but I definitely was having some, uh, what's it called? There's an actual name for it. 
Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. I was definitely different. having some imposter syndrome, and Absolutely. Judge Peel yeah. during the exercise told me, you were born to do this. And that got me through the rest of PC mm-hmm. and will probably take me into practice. Yeah. Because I didn't believe it at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I needed it. Yeah. And, and I will say, too, just kind of building off what Mike said, just it's a great marketing opportunity, too, you know, like to get your foot in the door with a bunch of prosecutors and, you know, a bunch of offices around the state of Texas. Yeah. And one thing in particular is, you know, with both the criminal boot camp and the Vordire boot camp, it was, you know, we go to crickets on that Friday and you get the opportunity to see attorneys out in public and you get the opportunity to speak to them like actual human beings and have a sub talk about something other than law, you know? So I think it's, I think it's a good opportunity for people like me who haven't been exposed to the, to the law world very long and don't know too many lawyers and didn't grow up around lawyers. And it's just an opportunity for you to kind of see a day in a life of, of an attorney and get to see, you know, they love being there and they love teaching us and they loved giving us feedback. And that's kind of, um, not, not to say that PC professors don't, they do love giving us all feedback. They just give us feedback in a totally different way. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, it's a, you know, um, I can't, I can't think of the, the word for it, but it's like, you know, they just try to tear you down so that you can build yourself back up. Whereas here it's just, we're going to help you fix the, the foundation that you already have. Yeah. Well, I, I am glad that I took Mike's advice from when we did the criminal law boot camp uh, episode and went to crickets, you know, that night because that was, I mean, I, I got to stand there as y'all did and just talk with these normal people who mm. happen to do the thing that I want to do, you know, and I got to have some really cool conversations and see them, you know, like you say, just as normal people. And then, yeah, I mean, I did get to have some cool conversations, you know, with some of those attorneys about future job prospects. And I, I, th- I left there feeling like, oh, my gosh, yeah, okay, I could do this. Like, and that was, you know, just tangentially for a moment. I mean, that was something that I felt lacking in my previous career, that I was just, like, begging people, you know, to hire me and begging people for jobs. And when you get to do something like this and you get that training, but then that personal exposure, Mm -hmm. and they can see that you're serious and they can see that you're good, even if you don't see that you're good, you know, I mean, that's just, it's just a beautiful thing. So, yeah, it was, I, I, it was going to be hard to top that criminal law boot camp weekend, but for me, the Vordire boot camp topped it. I mean, it was just... It was, it was fun. It was really in, fun. In terms of marketing, you know, Brian Calvert had someone there, Akua from South Texas, all the way up through Travis County, uh, Austin. Um, you had the DA from Rockwall, and then you had uh, Zach um, from Nacogdoches. I won't butcher another last name. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but yeah, just covered a wide range mm-hmm. of Texas. And so if you are looking for a criminal law job after you graduate, it's a great opportunity to go and meet some people. Um, and I really wouldn't pass it up if that's something you want to do. Yeah. Before we leave this, I just want to, um, I guess, give a disclaimer at this point that right now the Vordire uh, boot camp is only being offered in the spring-summer uh, session of PC. That may mm-hmm. change, but for right now, that's that's what it is. So one more reason to take PC in the spring and summer, right, guys? Yeah. That lack of football season. Mm -hmm. Lack of football season, smaller class size. Yeah, that's a good thing. Okay, well, we're uh, with the last few minutes that we have, I wanted to just pivot slightly and talk about a couple of the other criminal law uh, aspects of of PC. We had Cassidy Durfee on here 
a few months ago, and she kind of gave us a brief rundown of what that's like. But I just wanted to, maybe y'all didn't tune into that episode, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> just wanted to cover a couple of things. First, uh, the, uh, the criminal law big trial. Each of us did one of those, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, I'm like, okay. Was it worth it, guys? Let me just let me just ask you that. Do you it feel like opinion, it was yes. worth it? Yeah. It was a lot more work um, because not only do you have to handle criminal, but you also have to handle a civil case evolving around your criminal case. And, you know, um, but I think it's totally worth it because you get twice the amount of experience and, or four times in our case where we spent four days in court, whereas every other group spent like a day. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's... Yeah. It's you're getting your money's worth that way, and it's very stressful for a couple of weeks, but I think it's well worth the time and effort put in because, you know, I learned so much throughout that. Well, yeah. and I think that a lot of people really were bothered by the fact that we had four days of big trial, whereas the other groups had one day. Uh, here's how I logicalized that to myself was I was doing the capstone, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the capstone really only had one day of class. And one assignment where you do a warrant. So, if you think of the big trial as the rest of your capstone class, now those two days of trial are just making up for the rest of that one hour of class credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That's a good way of thinking about it. You have one chance to do this. Why not just go all out? You know, like, I, looking back on it, I do not regret doing the criminal route because even though I may not end up in the criminal field, I learned so much more about the process of law. Because now I know at least a little bit insight into what's happening in the criminal sphere. Whereas, you know, you go talk to Underwood and Torres and he's like, yeah, I don't even know what any of that is. You yeah, know? yeah. Riley really just hit the nail on the head. He's talked about repetitions before and just go out here and get the rep- repetitions. The big thing that hit me when um, we ended our closing arguments for civil trial, which comes after the criminal law big trial, is that, you know, there are no more reps um, like this this is the last scrimmage everything after this most likely is going to be the real deal um, so this is the opportunity to get the work in and to practice um, where with nothing on the line other than you know your grade um, but as long as you do what's required of you you won't have anything to worry about yeah. uh, grade reduction wise and you'll be fine yeah I, I that was a little bit bittersweet uh, that, I mean, I was glad to be done, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, because I was freaking exhausted by the yeah. end of it. But it was like, yeah, gosh, the, the next time I do this, you know, accepting, like, mock trial or whatever, it's like it's going to be the real deal. So mm-hmm. I think just for no other reason, just getting those extra reps in. And those of us, especially those of us who know we want to be prosecutors, but mostly, you know, all of us who want to be on the criminal side are going to be litigators. It's like, well, you belong in the courtroom, so three more days than everybody else in the courtroom not a bad thing and i think one thing that you don't really get an insight into in the civil mini trials or the civil big trials is you know in in criminal you're not necessarily direct examining a expert witness in some sort of random field that you have to learn about the day before you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like you're talking to the victim's wife or you're talking to the victim himself or you're talking to different people and you're getting to cross-examine and be careful with the emotions of it on defense side like we had to be you know learn the personal side of law whereas you know on the civil side you're you get so delved into expert opinions and into expert topics that you kind of lose sight a little bit of the person that's 
that's sitting to the left of you or to the right of you, wherever, um, wherever you're sitting. And so I just think it gives a unique perspective of getting to defend, you know, somebody's essentially their honor and getting to, you know, carry out the will of the state. And so I think that's a unique perspective from the criminal side. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool too. I don't think we've, we've had somebody, uh, really talk about that yet. Appreciate you bringing that up. For the last few minutes, I uh, just wanted to circle back on something Holly was talking about earlier, which was the capstone. Will you just give us, give our listeners just kind of a, a quick rundown on what that entails? Sure. So the capstone is kind of the, as the name entails, the ultimate class of criminal law or the top class of criminal law here. Uh with that, there are several prerequisites. You have to have either taken or be enrolled in the crim law boot camp. And, and a few other criminal classes have to be under your belt already. And then the capstone, you take it while you're in PC3. Uh, it's taught by Professor Alpert. You have to be doing the criminal law big trial. The, in addition to the big trial for criminal law, you also do one day where we went in on a Friday for a few hours and had a class with Professor Alpert, and he really goes over in that class all the ins and outs of writing warrants and what you have to be careful of and why they get overturned and things like that. And then the practice with warrants after that is actually drafting your own warrant as well as critiquing one from a case. Cool. Was that worth it? <laughs> was it worth it to yes, do that? Yes, it was extremely worth it, I think. And you uh, get a credit. Richard, you do get one credit hour. <laughs> there you go. Um, which they all add up. you uh, you got to get to 126. Um, I think any opportunity you get to learn from Richard Alpert uh, is invaluable. Yeah. And so getting a lecture from him, I, you know, I wish I had been able to take his other course. Um, so it, it was valuable. And to get that real-world, more practical experience of actually writing a warrant is... Um, really valuable as well. Sweet. Well, y'all are on your way out the door. You've got just a few more weeks left, and then you're done with law school. Now's your chance to share any pearls, any nuggets of wisdom, any last parting thoughts with our, our listeners before you go. I would just say that you are a lot better than you think you are. And that's the best advice I can give you from practice court is, like Holly said, a little bit of imposter syndrome sets in and you doubt yourself. But in the end, you're going to look back on it and be like, hey, I did my best and I did a hell of a job in my opinion. And, you know, whether you win or lose your big trial, it doesn't really matter. You know, what, what matters is you got through it. You did all the discovery. You did, you know, the sentencing phase. You did your four days in court and you got the best of it best out of it as you could. So that's what I would say is just just keep believing in yourself is really what I would say. Um, the one admonition I got before I started was with law school was don't just go to school. Um, my uncle said, you know, don't just go there to get your classes and graduate. So do the, the extracurriculars, the other stuff, because this is the only opportunity you're going to have to be around people like-minded that are interested in the legal field like this and that are interested in your edification uh, as a future lawyer. Um, so take advantage of whatever it is you're interested in. Um, do the um, fraternity group, do the mock trial or moot court or the clinics, um, you know, find what you want to do, but don't just um, hone in on getting the high A in the classes. Um, 
do do more than just be a student that would be my recommendation you know knock no knock on people that got the high A's it takes a lot of effort and hard work and uh, I'm not sure I've ever gotten one but um, do the other stuff too don't just you know be a well-rounded student that has more going on but it can be individualized so you find what your more is I'm going to give two nuggets. Um, Both of them are law school in general, but especially during PC. Um, The first is remember that once you go through hell, the fire isn't scary. And that's the point. Mm -hmm. Like, it might be hell right now, but the point is right now it doesn't actually matter. When you graduate, that's the real world. Mm -hmm. And you need the fire to not be scary when it matters. Uh, The second nugget is keep a life. Um, Remember your priorities. Your family, you can't replace them. Your friends, they're important too. Remember that it's important to have a life. And while school is very high on the priority list, eventually that's just going to be replaced with work. And start practicing now of balancing. I think those of us who actually did that in PC actually yeah. enjoyed PC. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Were we exhausted still? Yes. Mm-hmm. But did we enjoy it more than a lot of other people? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate not only, you know, those nuggets, uh, but y'all joining on the podcast. And, you know, for what it's worth, I'm going to miss you guys. I'm going to be here one more quarter after you're gone. So we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll keep that, anyway, keep that spirit alive. But thanks so much for joining us on the podcast y'all and thank you to listeners for joining us on another episode of the baylor law criminal law society podcast till next time y'all take care if i may goose was a radar intercept officer <laughs> 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 we'll see y'all <laughs>